It says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you this morning for your word. And Father, I pray now that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit would desire to say to us, Lord. I pray that you would lead us and guide us into all truth. I pray, God, that you would teach us from your word, that you would instruct us, God. And Lord, I pray, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint me and anoint your people. And Lord, I pray that you would raise up Raise up from among us leaders. Raise up from among us people, God, whom you have called and gifted, Lord, to be leaders in our midst. God, we thank you today. We praise you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. This morning, I want to preach to you on spiritual leadership. And I plan on looking at this over the course of the next several weeks. And I have an agenda, that is, I have a desire that I would, that I would like to be accomplished because of the teaching of the Word. And I would like us as a church to put in place leaders. That would be a blessing to this congregation. Amen? I would like to see... Men, I would like to see people raised up to come into a place where they can take hold of something and be an influence for God and for this church within this congregation. Amen? No, no longer sitting on the sidelines or the peripheral of the church, but actually involved in stepping into what God would ordain them to do. Now, I'm blessed to serve as a pastor within a denomination that's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but within a denomination where our state overseer, he, it's his heart, it's his desire, it's the leaders that are over me, it's their desire to help pastors be the best leaders that they can be. That's their, that's their heartbeat. That's where they, they focus on. They put a lot of energy pouring time and attention into the local church and to the pastors and the leaders of the church because they understand. How many understand this morning? As the leaders go, so does the church. Right? As the leaders go, if the leader is not strong, you can guarantee the church won't be. 
Right? Amen? It all falls back. Leaders, listen, leaders, we get way too much credit when things are good and we get way too much blame when things are bad. That's just the na- nature of being a leader. That's, that comes with the territory. But the, the heartbeat of our overseer is to empower those who are leaders to be the best that they can be. And I want to say to you this morning, God's word has a lot to say about leadership. It has a lot to say about what that looks like, what is required and what is expected of you. Now, this morning, I would say to you, if you were to go to Google or you were to go onto Amazon, you and, and type in books on leadership, or go onto YouTube and, and type in leadership skills on you, you're gonna find so many things that are going to pop up. There's gonna be so many books that were written. There's books that were written by generals, there's books that were written by CEOs, there's books that have been written by leadership gurus that 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 uh, that have the expertise in these type of areas. And I just a few weeks. Weeks ago, I watched a four-part mini-series on YouTube about Napoleon Bonaparte and, and seeing the type of leader that he was, and you do not want to be the type of leader Napoleon was, but the, the, there's all kinds of things that you can find out, all kinds of information about leaders and leadership models and all kinds of things that you can go to, but I, I want us to realize... Though there are many good and practical lessons that we can learn from leaders who are outside of the church, even secular leaders, there there may be things we can glean from them, and there may be things, but that's not the model that we follow. That's not the model that a spiritual leader has been given. Turn with me to John chapter 13. Here's, Here's the model that I want you and I to see that has been given to us. John chapter 13, verse 3, says, Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. There's our, there's our model. There's our example. Here is the leader of leaders. Here is the, the king of kings and the lord of lords. And what model did he leave? Servant. He took out his garment, took off his garment, he put on a towel and he did the most menial task For the household servant, he washed the disciples' feet. And then he said, just a few verses later, because they didn't understand what was going on. In fact, you know, Peter Peter didn't even want the Lord to do this. And, And Jesus said, you don't understand right now what's going on, but you will. And here's what he says to them in verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is our example. This is the model that we follow. Jesus said the greatest among you is not the one with the biggest title, not the one with this over his name, but the greatest among you is the one who is servant of all. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, what are you called to do? You're called to serve. If you want to be considered great, if you want to be considered great when you march through the pearly gates of heaven and you enter into your reward, it's not going to be based on whether you had this before your name and these accolades. It's going to be, did you model what your master did? Were you a servant? Did you serve? Did you give your life in service? This is our model. This morning as we look at Acts chapter 6, we see the beginning of a particular ministry. Now this is the disciples were in the school of leadership with their Lord Jesus for three and a half years. And now the Lord is, has ascended back into heaven. He's poured out the Holy Spirit. And now they are the ones that are leading. Now they are the ones that are leading the church. They, they've been the ones given the commission to go and make disciples. And now what their Lord taught them is now being lived out by them and how they're about to handle this situation. And here you're going to see the beginning, really the beginning of a church office. Now, this incident isn't the, the establishment of it. We'll see this a little bit later in the book of Timothy. But you're going to see the beginning of a ministry that began. The, the beginning of what we would call the deacons. What we would call the deacon ministry. Here's what we see. Acts 6 and verse 1, it says, Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, I love that, the church was growing, the disciples were multiplying. The number of the disciples was multiplying. And I love the fact that they use that word disciple. I want you to understand, you hear me say this again, a Christian is a disciple. A Christian, they are synonyms. You are a follower of Jesus. You are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we see the disciples are multiplying, these followers of Jesus. But then we see something happen. Here's what it says in verse 1. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Now here you see, number one, you see the problem. You see the problem. A complaint rises up. You see in the church there was a cultural difference because you had those who were Hebrew-speaking Jews who were widows, and you had the Hellenist Jews that they spoke Greek. 
And so there was this there was this problem that arose between these two classes of of widows within the church. There were those who were the Hebrew speaking. They were probably the ones that were native born to Jerusalem, native born. And then you had these ones that had probably traveled there and relocated from around the Roman Empire that that spoke the Greek language. And so in the daily distribution of this, the food that was handed out, there was a problem there. There was something, there was a group that was being neglected and a complaint arose because because of it. The early church, if you'll, you'll read in the New Testament, they had established a ministry to widows. In fact, Paul wrote in detail in 1 Timothy chapter 5 about the ministry to widows. This was a, an established ministry where they would take care of widows in their midst who needed help. Here you see this complaint arises. The Jews that spoke Greek and the Jews that spoke Hebrew, there was a a problem going on there. There were people being left out. Now, you could see where this would be a problem, right? You could see where hurt feelings would come up, agitation and friction. You could see where people would start to get offended and mad and begin to complain. And this is exactly what happens there. There's a group of people over here that have been neglected and, and offended. And so they begin to complain and this could have turned into a a massive this could have turned into a church split right this could have turned into something far more serious than what was happening they realized we got to address this we see what they do here's what we read in verse 2 says then they The twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now here you're going to see, number two, they address the problem or the the problem is addressed. The twelve apostles summon the disciples together and they say to them, It's not desirable, it's not reason, it's not appropriate for us to leave the word of God to serve tables. Now this is not because they felt as if it was beneath them. It's not as if they felt like they could not do this, but they understood that the health of the church and the well-being of the ministry and the right focus, it had to be for them, it had to be the word of God. It had to be on proclaiming the gospel. They, they could not take their focus off that. They could not leave that and then go and take care of this task on the side. It, there had to be the word of God being preached unhindered and uninterrupted. They understood that the health and the well-being and the growth of the church was dependent upon this. So what do they do? They realized the priority of their ministry was to be the word of God and this task of helping to distribute food and to organize it and to be a help they realize, hey, there's people among us that can do that. Right? Right? They're, they realized there's people among us that can take care of this. Now, the 12 apostles, 
They could have said, okay, let's have a meeting, just the 12 of us guys, and, and we'll be like, okay, you four on this day, you take care of the widows, and the, we'll do the preaching, you four on this day. They could have done that, right? They could have kept it within the, the clergy. They could have kept it within the apostles and took care of it, but they realized there are some people among us who we can appoint over this whom God can use for this. We, we can delegate this to them. We, we can give them this opportunity to be a blessing within the church. We, we can give them this opportunity to be raised up to serve and God can use them. That was the, that was the mindset here. This principle of delegation. Amen. Some of us have a hard time of delegating, don't we? Especially leaders. Especially a spiritual leader in a small church. Because a spiritual leader in a small church, many times if you don't do it, it don't get done. Right? Amen. That's a reality. But what the the problem is, is that when it comes to be expected... From the congregation. That's when, that's when there's a problem. There's an old saying it says, it says, a good pastor is willing to do anything. A good church won't let him. Amen? A good pastor is willing to do everything, but a good church won't let them do it. Amen? And that's a reality, this, this reality of delegation, this reality of raising people up within the midst. And this is what they said. Here's what it says in verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, here's what they concluded to do. They say to the crowd of disciples, seek out from among you. That is, there were people there. There's people in in the crowd that are qualified for this. There's people among you. Seek them out who are qualified. These members of this multitude. And he says, seek out seven men. And here's where we're going to see the difference of spiritual leadership. Because I want you to see the qualifications and the the things that they say about the background. They didn't say, hey, let's seek out the one that's got a degree in logistics. Because we need somebody that understands logistics and we got to get this this food separated. They didn't say, let's seek somebody out that has a university degree in communication because they got to be good at communicating. They didn't say that. They didn't say, hey, let's find somebody that graduated from the Jerusalem School of Business to be over this, did they? That, that wasn't. Now, listen to me. Those can be phenomenal assets to the kingdom of God. If those are sanctified unto the Lord, those can be a ph- phenomenal blessing to the church. And God uses our education when it's sanctified and presented to him and, and, and surrendered to him to do it in the way that he says to do it. But I want you to see there, that's not the qualifications that they sought out. That wasn't the thing that made them qualified. Here's what you see. Here's the qualification. 
Seven men. Number one, of good reputation. Of good repute. They are known among you as people of integrity. Good reputation. See a little bit later when Paul describes the office or the ministry of a deacon, it's, it's in an elder, it says, above reproach. Above reproach. Good reputation. And then he says, secondly, full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. That is, their life is characterized, characterized as being under the control and the influence of the Spirit of God. They're bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. They're walking in the Spirit. Their life is characterized by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and full of wisdom. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. That is displaying the ability to apply apply God's word to different situations, acting sensibly. There is a wisdom there to them. They're not a novice. They're not all the time fluctuating back and forth. There's a wisdom there. Could you imagine, could you see the problem if they would have put a few knuckleheads over this? Right? You get a knucklehead in a position that they're not supposed to be in. Right? And it is a disaster. Amen? Amen or oh man. You get somebody in a position. Here's, Here's what you see. Good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. If you have all of that, you're going to work well with others. Why? Because you're full of the Holy Spirit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, kindness, long-suffering, gentleness. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be a dominating dictator of a type of person, right? If If you're walking in the Holy Spirit... If you're walking in the Spirit, you're, you can work with each other. We read in the book of James when it says it talks about the wisdom that comes from above is first peaceable and gentle and willing to yield. Willing to yield. That is, it doesn't always have to be your way or the highway, right? That's a mark of somebody that is filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you get somebody that should not be there in a position... Whew. You talk about a disaster on your hands. And this is, this is why they gave this qualification, full of the Holy Spirit. Good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. Wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And Here's what we see. Verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Here you see the priority. Here's the priority. The twelve apostles said we will give ourselves continually to the ministry of the word and 
to prayer. They understood the primacy of the Word of God. They understood that the success of the mission that they had been given to go into all the world to make disciples of all peoples was dependent on their ability to pray, to be alone with God, and preaching of the Word. Those were the two priorities. In fact, listen, I want you to understand that's still the priority of the church. That's still the primary priority of the church. If there's a ministry in the church that distracts from the preaching of the word and from prayer, there's something that is out of place. The priority, in fact, every ministry in the church is to be a blessing to point to, not hinder the preaching of the word, but to point to, to make it easy, to make it a blessing to the primary focus, which is that of the preaching of God's word. Amen. How do you grow? It's through the word of God. How is your mind renewed? It's through the word of God. How are you transformed? How are you convicted and rebuked and exhorted and comforted with all those? It's through the word of the living God. This word is alive. The preaching of the word is not something that we do just because we are religious people. It is ordained by God for somebody to stand up, open up the word of God and teach it and preach it. That's what Paul told Timothy. He said, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, rebuke and exhort and encourage with all long suffering and doctrine for there's going to come a time when men will not endure sound doctrine but they will heap up in themselves teachers having itching ears and so he told him what did he tell him preach the word of God amen the word of God is the priority within the church. And it's so important for us as God's people to truly keep that in focus. There's so many ways to bless and so many ways to minister and so many different ways to serve. But all of those within the local body point to or make it easy or a blessing for the preaching of the word. Amen? I'll, point, I'll, put it out, I'll put it like this to you. I, I love what Miss Campbell says about me. I make it plain, don't I, Miss Campbell? <laughs> if you're in charge of a, of a ministry, right, and maybe you've been appointed to do something with the building to help with it or to fix something in the church. 30 seconds before we're about to start service is not the time to be making measurements. Right? Amen? Amen? If you're a musician, and you know, two minutes after church starts is not the time to be tuning up the guitar. We've seen that I don't know how many times. Not here. I'm not pointing at Not here. Oh, my goodness. Brother Thompson's going to punch me after service. I never did that. But I have been in churches where that's... 
What I'm saying is, is that these ministries, this ministry of a deacon, these, these things that are put in place are to bless the preaching of the word. Not supplant it, not to take the focus away, but they're to bless, to open it up to where there can be no distraction, no hindrance to the preacher, no hindrance to those who are charged with those type of ministries within the church. It's to bless. And then we see... What happens here? Look at this. It says, We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip. Now that's interesting there. Because those two deacons, God used mightily. Philip is the one that went up to Samaria. He's, in fact, Philip, this Philip right here is the only one in the New Testament that's ever called an evangelist. Philip the evangelist. Stephen, we know, and you can just read, continue reading in chapter 6 and 7, he, God used him mightily in signs and wonders, the preaching as an evangelist, and he was the first martyr of the church. But it says here, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And then it says, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Here you see, fourthly, the progress and the prosperity of the church once this was taken care of. They chose these men. They appointed them over this. Then it says that they laid hands on them and prayed. That was a, a sign of authority being placed upon them. That was a commissioning. That was a, a sign to all of those there that these men are set apart for this. These men are chosen and, and sanctified and commissioned to do this. It was, it was giving of authority. It was a sign of authority given to them. Then we see verse 7. Here's the result. The word of God spread. The word of God spread. The result was the church grew. What could have been, what could have been a crisis now turns into a blessing. What could have been a disaster now turns into God multiplying the church and growing the church. The church, the word of God actually spread and multiplied. As we consider this subject of spiritual leadership, it's my prayer, it's my prayer that over the next few months, we would begin to raise up people who will be deacons and people who will come alongside of me as elders within this church. That's my prayer. You know my heartbeat as a pastor. You've heard me say this. I want to be biblical in every area of my life. I want the church to be biblical. I don't think we have the right to do things the way we think it should be done. 
right? I want us to model ourselves after not the Wall Street gurus, not the, the people outside with the pragmatic practices that seemingly might be working, but in the end, I don't think they actually will work because you can't do the Lord's way, or the Lord's work in the world's way. You just can't. You can't put on Saul's armor to fight spiritual battles. Amen. We've been given a New Testament pattern. And I believe God is going to raise up leaders. And it's some of you right here, sitting right here. And I want us to be in prayer about that. Amen. Let's stand together. Where are the men of God? Where are the men of God? Why is it in the church house? It's all, it seems like the most spiritual are always the women. Where are the men of God? The men of conviction. I know they're here. I know you're here. You wouldn't be here this morning if you weren't. Where are the men? You know the, you know the statistics. You know them. If the man in the house gets saved and serves the Lord, it's like 90-something percent the whole family goes to church, gets saved. That's, that's a fact. You can't change that. That's how God designed it. It's a fact. The woman gets saved, there's no guarantee the children and the... You get a man that's a leader, though. You'll change the world. Man, I feel this so strong. For the last 20 years, men have been belittled, haven't they? You watch a television show, who's the doof on the show? Right? Who's the portrayed as the idiot of the family? Isn't it? Right? We need strong men. Men of conviction. Men of good reputation. Men of integrity, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom who will lead their families. Amen? And I believe, I believe you're here. And so I'm going to be, as we're going through these, as we're teaching on this, I'm going to be approaching you. I am. And I'm going to ask you to come alongside. Over these next few weeks. And I want to see men raised up. Okay? Amen? Amen. Everybody awake this morning? Amen. You're not going to be asked to stand up here and preach. I'm not going to ask you to do that. 
But I'm going to be approaching you and I'm going to ask you if you would consider doing what we just talked about in this church. Okay? Let's pray right now. I'm going to pray that God would raise up leaders in this church. God would raise up leaders. God would raise up deacons and elders. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. God, we thank you and glorify you, Lord. We magnify you and exalt you, God. And Lord, we thank you for your steadfast love, for your faithfulness. We thank you for the New Testament pattern that you've laid down to us, Lord. And Father, it's my prayer. It's my prayer, Lord, that you would raise up leaders in our midst. God, that you would help us in this process. Lord, it's our desire. It's our desire to conform to your word as a church. It's our desire that there be health and strength and and things put in place that would help with growth, that would help and be a blessing, God. So, Lord, this morning I pray that you'd speak to men's hearts today. Speak to their hearts, Father. Lord, move upon them. Move upon them, I pray, God. Lord, I know there may be some among us who say, I'm not qualified, and, but God, they are. They are. They are qualified, God. So, Lord, I pray that you would help them. Lord, move upon their hearts today, God. And Lord, I pray, I pray your blessing over this church. God, bless this church. Grow this church that it would multiply, God. Lord, give us men of conviction, men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Do this, I pray, God. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lift your hands with me this morning. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, God. Holy, holy, holy. Lord, I will follow. Lead me, Lord, I will go. You have called.
have service tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to be looking at a verse of the Gospel of Luke. A small little verse. Remember Lot's wife. That's what we'll be considering tonight. I encourage you to come. If you can make it out tonight, it'll be a blessing to you. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much for joining us this morning in our time of worship and the Word. And I would encourage you, if you need anything, if you need prayer, or whatever you may need, we are here for you. And I want to personally encourage you to reach out to us with any prayer requests or, or questions that you may have about the Lord. Thank you and have a blessed day.